kindness. That uh, as we toddle along, even as a toddler, you follow after us and care for us, protect us in ways we don't even know. And so in this moment, I pray that your spirit would be lifting up our hearts, lightening us with, with praise on our lips, deep gratefulness in our souls. As we recall your faithfulness to, to this church, this congregation of saints that, are, that gather here, that you would be glorified in our remembrances and in our uh, act of recalling your faithfulness. All glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. I am not going to preach a sermon. In fact, a sermon in the formal sense will not be preached this morning. But we are going to hear the, the testimonies of, of three individuals who will be attesting to, to God's kindness and his faithfulness to this congregation of saints called First Presbyterian Church. And in the Old Testament story that Brian just read for you, what you see is this, this creation of a, a physical structure that will intentionally prompt a, a memory or the retelling of a story. And God was leading the Hebrews into the, the promised land through the Jordan River. There was no swimming involved, no floating. Instead, God stopped the water from running, similarly to how he split the Red Sea. Waters were piled up on one side and the river ran dry on the other. And the people walked across on this rocky riverbed. It was a sign of, of God's favor and his, his leading of them into the land. It was a, truly an extraordinary entrance into the land one they wanted to remember for themselves and in future generations. So as they were crossing the Jordan River, they took 12 stones from the riverbed, one for each tribe of Israel. And they carried them into the Promised Land where they would set them up so that whenever they saw it or people in future generations saw it, they would see these stones and they would ask, where did these stones come from? And so the story was told and kept alive. Oh, let me tell you what God did for us, right? It was a technique for keeping social memory fresh, for transmitting faith to generations to come. Now, we're not going to set up any stones on our property this morning, but we do want to create this space in order to, to prompt stories of God's faithfulness. And as we spend time after the service, as we're eating cake and playing washers. This is a time for you to share stories with one another, to express gratitude for God's faithfulness. We've not been able to celebrate much in the past year and a half, but there are many things that have happened that are worthy of celebration. So pandemic or not, we are insisting upon celebration this Sunday, on gratitude this Sunday. Let's, rem let's remember God's faithfulness and collectively say thank you to him. As I said, we don't have literal stones, but we do have people. 
we might call them living stones, right? If the stone set down in the promised land could speak, then this is what we have here this morning. And so I'm going to introduce each one as they come up. There are three people who are going to be speaking this morning. And they're going to come up and they're going to tell you about God's faithfulness to this congregation of saints here at First Presbyterian Church. And the first person is Helen Zoe. Helen Zoe, why don't you come on up? Helen Zoe Knits um, has been here a long time. You'll have to tell us how many years you've been here. What is it? Um, Helen Zoe's birthday is today, actually. And, and her husband, Paul's birthday, was last week. So we are, we're, really, we're really happy with celebrating life with them. They have much to be thankful for. Helen and Paul, when this building was constructed, they actually sat three pews in and they built the building around them. When, when they, we're going we're gonna to give that pew to you. You can bring it home and put it in front of your TV or something. You've got, got it situated just right. Uh, we're really grateful to hear uh, from Helen Zonitz this morning um, and uh, she tells us of God's faithfulness through the years, through the many years that she's been here. Take it away, Helen. My name is Helen Zonitz and it's nice to see you all face to face. Some for the first time, thanks to COVID. Thank you to Bear and all those who were involved in providing the virtual services for our homes because without them, Paul and I would have been very left out. Talk about history repeating itself in the home. In 1855, and through the Cumberland Presbyterian denomination, my great-great-grandmother started a Sunday school in her home. Obviously, things looked vastly different during that time. That was the first year a train traveled from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific. I'm sure the struggles were significant, both in their personal lives and the life of the church. It was by God's hand that this church flourished in their home for almost 20 years. In 1874, that Sunday school was formally received and the congregation began meeting in the High Coast School and this would have been located in the vicinity of the parking lot and the pet food section of Simmons across the creek and on the east side of town. In 1874, the Sunday School was formally received as a congregation and began meeting at the High Coast School. I just repeated that. Time may have actually moved slower back then, and the church continued meeting in the school, both growing in numbers and in faith. And in 1890, and after 16 years of gathering in the school, the first church building was constructed. And this was about three blocks south of where we are now, behind Elrod Law Offices. That building is not there any longer. Time may have actually moved slower back then, and the church continued meeting in the school, growing both in numbers and in faith. In 1890, and after 16 years of gathering in the school, the first church building was constructed. In, 18, in 1920, a fire damaged this church, and they joined another Presbyterian congregation while repairs were completed. Subsequently, this merge allowed a single Presbyterian church presence in Siloam. In 
This new congregation grew to allow for new construction of a new church which now sits behind Fat Tire or the old post office. Dr. Morsey and Dr. Stone, strong students of the Bible, were very influential at that time in my mother and my grandmother's development of their faith and consequently mine. During the early 1950s, the last pit pastor of that church was Reverend Cornfell, and he was a faithful and dedicated leader. <clears throat> he had a God-given talent for not only encouraging spiritual growth in the congregation, but also architectural design. He was responsible for designing and drawing up the plans for the church that we're now in. God provides church leaders and members who are gracious with not only their time, but their resources. Also their artistic ability. The unique scripture-driven stained glass windows are a creation of B. Stebbing. She was the wife of a former pastor here in the church. Back in 1855, God provided leaders who had a vision for worship, and he continues to bless this congregation at a time where great strength was needed. God provided Reverend Castleman. After retirement, thankfully, he and Robbie decided to retire here in Siloam Springs, and they have continued to share their faith through teaching and Bible studies. I feel music is such a vital part of our service. Although the pandemic continues to change our environment, Jen has found a way to continue music ministry through our responses and our hymn choices. I don't think we feel so alone in our living rooms when we hear the music come on. The length of time that Sharon has played through rain, sun, and bad health has been a big testimony to me. Thank you. I miss singing in the choir, but also the enjoyment I receive in seeing the children and young adults in our congregation. Hopefully one of these days we'll have a choir again. I believe Reverend Bish and his young family have encouraged not only growth, but life through youth and community involvement. God will work through this congregation and allow this church that used to be just a Sunday school in a home, continued growth and the, abil the ability to encourage others in their faith and worship. I'm thankful for the time that God has given me to see the many ways that he works. And I've seen this in the growth of this church through protection, love and guidance. Thank you. Helen Zoe mentioned God bringing Breck Castleman, Reverend Breck Castleman to uh, First Presbyterian Church at a time uh, when we needed him. Breck, why don't you come on up? God has graciously worked through uh, Breck in a unique way in this church. That Spirit used the, the preaching of the gospel that, that he came and he preached Christ and him crucified, resurrected and ascended. 
the Spirit worked through that to, to bring many people to this church, many of you to this church. So we are grateful for Breck's ministry and for God's faithfulness and using His faithfulness to reach you with the gospel. So thank you, Breck. Thank you for sharing this morning. Thank you, Jonathan. I, I came to First Presbyterian Church in the fall of 2004, and it was then that I discovered what uh, Helen Zoe shared with us, that uh, this congregation began as a Sunday school in 1855. And so in that next year, 2005, we celebrated 150 years as a community of faith, but a landmark. Um, and I realized that I was just the latest in a long uh, list of pastors to serve this congregation. And it was indicative of what Paul wrote when he said that he had planted in the, in, in the church at Corinth uh, that Apollos had watered, but God had given the growth. And he goes on to say in verse um, 7 of, of 1 Corinthians 3, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who gives the growth. And the presence of this congregation today is uh, evidence of the fact that God through the years has been given, giving growth to us. In 2004, we were mostly an older congregation. We had several older youth who would be leaving for college or work after a while. What we lacked was young family, we lacked children, but in time, without any planning or programming, younger families began to come. Students from JBU began to attend. New members brought fresh leadership and activities and energy to the congregation, and the size of the congregation as well as this programming increased. But God gave the growth. Our choir director moved away. Bob Barber became our choir director and the choir grew in size and quality because God gave the growth. Families with children began to attend and one of our new members had the idea of starting the Kids for Christ ministry. So downstairs in the gym and in the uh, larger one single room that existed at that time on Wednesday afternoons, it was active with kids and volunteers because God was giving the growth. The building space, because of our growth, had to be reconfigured. Upstairs was opened up and a balcony was added. The rear of the sanctuary was redone and space for Christian education classes uh, and rooms downstairs was created. Babies were arriving and the nursery area had to be expanded by co-opting some unused library space. And all of this was accomplished without the burden of debt. And it was additional evidence that God gave the increase. Brad Edwards was hired as Minister of Youth and Time and Youth and Discipleship, and that happened as our younger kids were growing and uh, entered middle school and high school. After Bob Barber died, Jen Edwards became the choir director. Change and growth continued here at this church, but it was God who made it happen. As Paul wrote, God gave the growth. Then in 2015 through 17, the Lord helped this congregation navigate a sometimes rocky journey to membership in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. 
The wisdom of the session and the courage of the congregation at that time was evidence that the Lord was continuing that good work which he had begun so many years ago. I retired in 2017, and God's faithful work was evident and continues to be evident in the presence of Jonathan Bish, his pastor, as Dree Beyer now as director of family ministry. Maybe I should mention Brad Edwards back again as facility supervisor. Thank you, Brad. We need to get you a, a tag or something to wear. Um, God's work is evident now with new elders stepping into roles of leadership and with many others using various gifts to sustain and advance the ongoing life of this congregation. God gives the growth. Therefore, it's fitting to celebrate what the Lord has done here over the last 166 years. Pastors have passed the baton to pastors. Elders have passed the baton to elders. Staff has passed the baton to staff. Many volunteers have passed the baton of their work as a part of the life of this church. And through it all, we can say that God gave the growth and he continues to do so. I think the words of Psalm 92.4 are appropriate for this occasion, where the psalmist writes, for you, O Lord, made us glad by your work. At the works of your hands, we sing for joy. In fact, I'd like you to repeat that together with me, after me, um, if you will. For you, O Lord, have made us glad by your work at the works of your hands, we sing for joy. Amen. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Breck uh, mentioned the, the church's move into the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, um, and the, he alluded quite graciously to it as just calling it, I think, Rocky or something like that. It was, it was a difficult move. I was not present for that. One of the most difficult things was we had to buy our building back. Um, and so uh, we, we owed our old denomination $250,000 to be paid over five years uh, for our building, uh, which is a, a large sum to pay for a church of our size uh, in, su in such a short amount of time. On session at the time uh, was Dr. Posey, Dr. Trisha Posey, you can come on forward. Um, and she contributed along with the other elders uh, to those many long conversations and difficult discussions and led with wisdom and, and discernment in that time. And uh, so she's going to give us a little bit of a window into what that looked like. Uh, what that experience was like uh, for her and for the other elders and for us as a church. So, thank you, Trisha, for being Thanks, here. Jonathan. As Jonathan said, I was on session when we made the decision to leave the PCUSA. It was abundantly clear that this was the decision we needed to make. What was less clear at that time was how we would work through the negotiations with the Presbytery over this building. As a session, we were committed to maintaining a spirit of peace, even in the midst of our move away from the PCUSA. We also knew that our church building was not our church. God's church is his gathered people, 
indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and working in communion together for the Great Commission. The work and worship of the church can take place anywhere, as we've learned over the past year and a half. We were willing to give up the building if necessary. And yet, we also wanted to honor the memory of those who had invested in our church for over a century. Those who had worked hard to pay for pews, create the beautiful stained glass that surrounds us in our worship, and provide for the physical space in which we participate in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. These were the people Helen Zoe talked about. We are part of the communion of saints, living and dead, and our church building is an expression of the work of our community of saints gathered at the corner of Ashley and Maxwell over the decades. Moreover, as we've also learned over the past year and a half, as an embodied people, our physical presence together is crucially important. This building has allowed us to be together in both body and spirit over these many generations. So, we had a difficult decision to make. During this time, I was encouraged by three things. First, Breck modeled for us a spirit of charity, patience, and love at a time when many of us were feeling afraid. Breck's leadership during this time was crucial to helping us maintain our integrity as a session and as a church. I was also upheld by the incredible support and wisdom of the members of our congregation. Every word I heard from the members of our church was a word of encouragement and trust that the session would follow the Lord's leading and making hard choices. That support mattered. It helped us to move forward with boldness and courage. The church is not always known for its unity, but I can honestly say that I have never seen a church so unified in its understanding of its work and mission. Third, and most importantly, we were upheld by the truth that the Lord would provide. So after a good deal of prayer and a lengthy process of discernment, we entered into negotiations with the presbytery to pay $250,000 for the church building and the grounds. The presbytery drew up the contract and we had our lawyer friend and colleague Don Bala look it over. His careful reading of the hastily prepared contract revealed that we were about to pay $250,000 not for the church building, but for the parking lot caddy corner to the church. Praise the Lord for Don Bala's keen eye. It took a lot of faith for us in, to enter into this agreement because as we all know, budgets are tight and bringing in anything beyond the operating expenses of the church is a challenge. Nevertheless, we trusted that God would provide and he did. Shortly after we signed the contract with the Presbytery to pay $50,000 per year over five years for the building, Session received some unexpected news. An estate account that had been paid out annually for a number of years came to maturity, and we received a check from the estate for, you guessed it, $50,000. I'm pretty sure that I was not the only Session member who shed a few tears of gratitude for God, to God for his tangible and direct message to us, that he was going to meet our needs as we entered into what seemed to be an uncertain future. 
Many of you have been the answer to the session's prayer. I know that a number of you gave additional funds to help pay off this building, even when your own budgets were tight. Thank you for giving. Again and again, the Lord has shown us that our work as a church is to respond in obedience to the truth that God has always and will always provide for his people. This is God's character, that of love, care, and provision for those who commit to follow him, even in the most difficult of circumstances. And we know this is true because he himself, in the person of Christ, showed obedience even to the point of death on the cross. Praise God that we serve Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Thank you. Thank you, Trisha. Uh, I should mention that in this past year in which we have been out here with a short span of time worshiping inside, we've paid off this building by God's faithfulness and your faithfulness and your generosity and God's generosity. He has worked through you and with you and in you to be able to pay this building off that we might worship here. And as Trisha reminded us, a church is far greater than a building, than brick and mortar. And so we want to use this space not to disappear inside, uh, but to make ourselves available to our community, to our neighborhood, with the love of Christ. The gospel says that Christ comes to you to redeem you in love. Sandy Van Thiel is going to close us in prayer. Sandy is another long-time member of the church. Uh, just came off session. Has faithfully served this church in hard times and, uh, and is enjoying, I think, seeing God's faithfulness and bringing us through those hard times. So thank you, Sandy, for coming and praying for us. Let's pray. Great God Almighty, how do we thank you for being with us through these hard times, these wonderful times. Thank you for growing our church. Thank you for all that has transpired since that Sunday school class. Thank you for the faithful people who loved you and prayed and trusted you. Thank you, Father, for all that has taken place since then. Thank you that they didn't give up when there was a fire. Thank you that they built this church. Thank you that those who have been here a long time have stayed and prayed Thank you, Father, that you're the one that's doing everything in this church. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that you are living and real and that your word is so faithful. You are so faithful to your promises. How do we thank you enough for this? 
I don't know. Lord, continue to work in our church. Continue to have the word of God presented in spirit and truth. Father, may we all become your disciples who are willing to give our time, our talents, and our money. Father, that this church may be a witness to how wonderful you are. Lord, help us to reach this particular neighborhood, this city. Help us to reach out to other lands. May our individuals desire to take your word where it hasn't been, to help individuals. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. We bow before you in humility, saying, without you, none of this would have occurred. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For we pray in Christ's name, amen.